Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Uh, today, we're joined by Anne Pocock. She is the founder of Kinetic Effect, uh, focusing on marketing strategy as well as consulting and leadership coaching. Um, we've brought Anne on to have a bit of a conversation around a couple of those areas and maybe a little bit of focus on marketing because we know it can always help our listeners to how we're marketing and positioning our products. Anne, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be um, here. No, really good to um, meet you uh, face to face and um, have a bit more of a deep dive into some of the things you're helping businesses with. So always great for our listeners to understand a little bit about you, your background. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got to Kinetic Effect? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm a marketing strategy consultant and an executive and leadership coach. I have a couple of decades of experience in marketing communications roles, particularly towards the end of my corporate experience, um, which um, I stepped away from at the end of 2019. I was in marketing leadership roles in the tech space. And then I um, I moved into the consulting space and coaching space where I primarily work with SMBs, on building their marketing strategies, their brand positioning, sales and marketing alignment, um, as well as coaching of business leaders and their sales and marketing team members as well. So with my broad background across marketing and comms, I've kind of seen it all. So um, that allows me to be a strategist with quite a broad set of skills or background that I can bring to my clients' needs. Um, Primarily the clients I work with are service-based businesses or B2B type businesses as well. And um, they're anywhere from one person to a couple hundred, really. So, yeah, quite a range. Yeah, a little bit of a range there. So, mm. obviously, our listeners will be quite keen to understand about your technology background and working in that space. Can you just uh, elaborate a little yeah. bit more there? Yeah, yeah. I started out in tech. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I worked for a computer networking company when I was 18. I took a year off uni, did an IT traineeship, um, went to TAFE, learned about computer networking and for, for a company here that was based in Melbourne. Um, and um, so it started out in that. And then I moved to work for an internet provider, actually, and the founder of that was Steve Baxter, who's one of the um, Shark yes. Tank judges. He is. Yeah, so very <laughs> early background in yes. that space with dial-up internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, towards the end of my corporate career, um, I worked for Accenture, um, so one of the biggest technology companies in the world. Mm. And then I moved into being a marketing director for a IT and telco business called Spirit Technology Solutions, and they're Australia's fastest non-NBN, so wireless internet provider. And I um, scaled that from... Uh, you know, being primarily a B2C business to B2B um, and um, then now many of my clients are in the tech space now from cybersecurity to AI software to IT businesses and so on. And other developers I've got clients as, yep. Yeah, no, brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of being involved in the, the technology space, sticking your teeth into it, going to do some courses as well, I like that. Um, how, what have you found along the journey Um is it predominantly B2B or B2C that you spend your time in in terms of helping or is it a bit of a mix? It's been a mix mm-hmm. actually, okay. but primarily if we were going to label it um, B2B or B2C where it's service-based, yeah, so rather okay. than fast-moving consumer. Got it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
over that time, what's some of the things that you've learnt? Obviously, technology has evolved over the, the period of time that you've been um, around in, in technology, especially you've been the dial-up internet and moving to where we are today yeah. and spirit, which yeah. is the other end of the spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. What's some of the things that you've learnt about being a part of the fast-moving industry like technology? Yeah, be curious, um, you know, to help stay abreast of the change. Mm. I think that's the, the, the sign of a really great leader mm. um, regardless as well. Um, I think just not be afraid, to, particularly because I have a non-tech mm-hmm. background yes. as a marketer, right? So yeah. when I'm in the tech businesses, um, my role is to turn that into language and messaging and a way to connect with the audience in a way that they hear. And so not being afraid to ask what you might feel is a stupid question of the technical leaders and the, the engineers and the, the developers and things like that in your organisation because, um, you know, if you don't sort of get out of your own way and be a bit uncomfortable with the unknown, then you're not going to learn and you're not going to be, um, you know, creating the best way to go to market, the way to best way to connect with your audience. So for me it was um, building my confidence and the confidence of my team members that I led but also putting in place some structures to be able to get that context and that information so that you could help um, grow the business. Mm. Yeah, there's a bit in that. I think curiosity is very important, especially when in anything really in life, um, if you're really going to mm. succeed, especially things that are moving so quickly, um, staying abreast of what's mm. happening. Um, you drop a ball for a year in this space, then things can yeah. be very different than they were, they were 12 months ago. Yes. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found having that experience has helped, your experience has helped in going into those businesses because you have some knowledge already rather than it being like a blank slate? Completely. Absolutely. So I've worked across, I've marketed a lot of different technology solutions now from, you know, blockchain to AI to robotics, you know, to wireless internet. So um, I've, I've gotten pretty comfortable with um, trying to learn the subject matter as well as I can. Um, yeah. So that's been very helpful. There's not... Um, there's not a lot that I haven't been exposed to in terms of different tech solutions, but I always go with a beginner's mind around it as well because every organisation has a different way of articulating their value proposition. Um, the tech is moving at a fast pace, so what I might have learned and marketed, you know, a couple or few years ago has absolutely changed and evolved now. So each client has a different way of articulating mm-hmm. um, their products or their services, benefits and features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make it makes a lot of sense how it all is moving. Um, in terms of marketing for technology products, you mentioned a little bit about um, understanding the tech leads and getting your head around that and basically understand the product to simplify the message. How do you encourage people to start with simplifying message? Because all too often within a, a technology product business, um, things can get very technology focused and also mm-hmm. go over the top of the the customer's understanding or even head. Um, how do you encourage people to simplify that message just to really yeah. bang home what the key problems that you're solving with the product are? Mm, yeah. I'm a really big collaborator and so for me I build a sense of comfort between, let's say, the more customer-facing functions and the tech functions of the organisation so that marketing's not sitting in a silo and separate and so that the tech functions 
understand how marketing can help them, how it's relevant and how they are actually part of the marketing process or the customer experience, let's say. And so a simple way is rather than, um, you know, getting a written summary of product features and benefits and then marketing just going away and hoping for the best is bringing the heads into a room and kind of ideating through how we can turn that more feature-rich language into something that's benefits and values-oriented so that it lands more with the customers because particularly in B2B, you don't just have one person buying. I mean, ultimately there's one person with the budget, but there's usually a buying party of people who are considering whether to um, work with your business. And so they need things articulated in different ways um, so that they feel safe to make a decision in you. And so by putting the relevant faces or people in um, your business into a room to ideate and create the value proposition around your product or your service can be really powerful because it brings just an instant sense of alignment and collegiality around that um, rather than these separate functions that do separate things and, and there be disconnect as a result of that and an opportunity for the, the non-technical people to ask things about the product or the service in different ways so that the technical people can articulate it using different nuances um, and you essentially come up with your key messaging, your positioning around that, and then that puts your marketing and sales and business development functions in much better stead to be able to put their plans together to take it to market or reorient it in market depending on what your business objectives are whether it's a new product or an existing product that's getting an uplift or something like that um, yeah, i think yeah, more bringing minds together is always a great um way to solve problems how do you or do you encourage people to engage current customers or potential customers in those conversations and how they might position yeah. up what their understanding of the problem is because sometimes we can get this disconnected from building product to what the customer really needs how do you sort of engage those conversations hands down absolutely <laughs> if time and budget allow for that it's just so valuable to do it. It's critical almost. Look, I do have a lot of clients and I've worked in a lot of roles where they don't do that, like they feel like they have a good sense mm -hmm. of what the audience or the customer base wants because of the fact that they're newer in market so they're kind of a bit fresher and still in touch with what's happening. Um, but I've got a market research, marketing science background as well, so I'm able to do that with my clients and help them um, you know, connect with their customers. So that could just be why, why, you know, by way of me giving them some questions to jump on the phone and mm. speak to their customers and get some input or we do more formal surveys or focus groups or, or things like that as well because challenging your assumptions is so useful, so useful. You, I think you can kind of really get your blinkers on and beeline to that end point that you've set your objective on and gone, hang on, we're now 6, 12, 18 months down the track and we haven't spoken to a customer um, about what we've changed and, um, you know, pivoted on in that time. And and in all likelihood your 
you're just missing out on what you don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. I think you can get a little bit focused in on product and um, have yeah. a, yeah, like you said, here's our 12 month objective, just work on that. And if you're not engaging mm-hmm. the customer on that journey, things might change, things may evolve, mm-hmm. um, how they do business may evolve, which may shift the way you might want to think about your product as well. Um, so there's plenty of things that are always moving and there's so much com- competition out there um, that can serve mm-hmm. uh, our customers in different ways. Um, um, and it's just sometimes being, like you said, getting the right people um, in the room with the customers because you're selling to multiple parties and you need to obviously add value and per- perceive to add value yeah. across all the parties, not just one stakeholder because yeah. that doesn't serve the rest of the stakeholder buying group. So I think there's a bit in that. Especially when the stakeholder is yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing that's really useful is interview non-customers, yes. those leads and opportunities that you lost. Yeah. Go back and like, don't just do a win-loss mm. review. Like, actually speak to them and say, why didn't you choose mm. us? Like, why did you lean the way that you went? Do you um, find that um, customers or non-customers that don't buy are more engaging with third parties or directly engaging with the sales and marketing teams? Because sometimes you might find they're a bit reluctant to di- divulge information around decisions. So how do you, what do you approach that? Yeah. With the right questions in a way that they feel comfortable yeah. and safe, um, that it's valuable of their time to share that, okay. sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, as long as they completely know that it's not a sales yes. conversation and it's in no way going to yes. lead to one mm-hmm. of those. Um, but, yeah, third parties can be valuable as well, um, but there's pros and cons to both ways. And third party, I mean, if we're talking about smaller businesses here, it's usually not particularly budget-friendly, um, to, to to spend money on, you know, third-party market research, um, definitely valuable if you can. Um, but, again, a third-party calling can have its own issues, you know, an unfamiliar mobile number, um, you know, speaking to someone that doesn't have the context. So that third party is, is limited to the questions that they can answer and, uh, ask, sorry, and and bounce from so the conversation gets a bit stifled. Yeah, it's just like a direct no, no. question answer type thing. They have a very mm. fixed script. They've got their blinkers on. Bit machine gun questions yeah. in that way. Yeah, understood. Mm. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So just painting a picture. Um, I'm a tech business building a product in the middle of picking up my first few customers. Um, Mm-hmm. Probably haven't really thought about marketing too much, but know that there's some value and benefits in a product. What are some things I could be thinking about today that will enable me to mm-hmm. really obviously push the direction of the product in, in the right direction for my customers, but also start to engage a bigger uh, network of customers as well? Yeah, great question. Yeah. It's often um, something that newer businesses will delay or not think about because they're like, we don't really need to, like we can get our founding customers through our network or, you know, just using more of a sales strategy to, to build that initial customer base. But in actual fact, you can't do that well either if you're not clear on your value proposition and your brand positioning. So your messaging is critical, absolutely critical, because that gets infused across all of your touch points right from the very first version of your website to your proposal deck to the phone calls that you have to, um, you know, your pitch deck that you might do on a sales call, um, how you work the room at a networking event. Um, the list goes on and on. It isn't just in your paid ads or um, going into 
um, your, your other marketing channels and materials for lead generation. So even right at that foundation stage where you're going out and getting your, your founding few clients, absolutely critical to be clear on knowing how to say the right thing to the right people, really critical. And then, you know, the full strategy is like saying the right thing to the right people. You really need to know that in the right place at the right time. And place and time is essentially your channel execution, whether that's sales or business development or marketing. And obviously as your um, business matures, so will your marketing function and the number of channels and the spend and the time that you spend on that. So marketing isn't just something that happens after you're, you, you know, you've got runs on the board. It's actually the bit at the very beginning while you're product developing, while you're building your business cases, while you're, you're really getting clear on, you know, what your market segment is. It can be so helpful at that stage. And that's what I do is I help people bring that thinking at the start so that they're not backtracking so that they're challenging their assumptions right at the start and they're set up for success to be able to, you know, start their core marketing on the right traction channels when they're ready. I think it's not just the marketing. If, you, if you're thinking like that up front, whatever product you're building on is the right product. Yeah, completely. So it's not just, yeah, the messaging is right. It's going to save you time and effort and headaches. And the track. You don't have to rebuild everything 6, 12, 18 months later. Yep because you made an assumption and you only quote, um, queried yourself because you're building in secrecy. Yeah, exactly right. Yep, you're, you've nailed it. It's, it's why it's so valuable in doing it. And and yet a lot of people think of marketing as being an afterthought because it's traditionally seen as something more tangible, you know, like a paid ad or a LinkedIn ad or a billboard or something that you can see, but it's the stuff, the intangible that you can't see that's going to help you with your product development um, stage. And it's why I believe it's really critical for a marketing type lens to be infused at that stage. Mm. There's a bit to think about there. I think that most people may not go about it that way. Um, I, I do agree. I think no. people look at it from a perspective of product focused, um, maybe pick a, a brand name or a business name and that's their, their whole, how they package it up and um, from there, how they position it can come a little bit later. And I think, yeah, that's sort of generally would start as, all right, we've got a problem, we see an opportunity um, and then here's some features and functions that may add value, especially when you're thinking from a technical side um, and then beyond that, okay, here, hand it over to marketing and now let's market this thing, <laughs> which may be too late in some instances if you to what you're saying there. Um, how do you, look? how would yes. you encourage people to start thinking about engaging with especially if they're not marketing from a, a background, they may be a domain expert and there's some of the people we might work with which have a concept which will help their market. They understand that they've worked in it for a long time. Um, they get it and yeah. that's a really big value add when it comes from a marketing frame, I would imagine. Um, but still coming from that perspective, they still go straight into product most of the time and look at all right, how do we build the product to get mm -hmm. the outcome. How would you encourage them to actually start thinking from marketing first, brand first, how they position it? Yeah. Yeah, obviously it's a lot easier if I get on a call with them and I can educate them um, with what's relevant to their current circumstance. But I do that through my content. So 
um, being a coach, but also I have a background in teaching marketing as well and also helping, you know, technical people understand the role that marketing, sales, communications can play um, to support their role and their goals and agenda. Um, And so just meeting them where they're at and showing them that it doesn't need to be arduous either. It really doesn't. Like we're, we're not talking anything particularly lengthy to do at that beginning stage. It might be a couple of workshops that, that you run, you know, a brand strategy workshop or, and or a messaging workshop, for example, or at least, um, you know, a, a product messaging workshop. Um, they're things that I run that I do, um, you know, run them all the time for, for technical um, experts and they find that really helpful when it comes to going to um, build their products very much so. So it's an education piece and just meeting them where they're at and not overcomplicating it and certainly not developing this lengthy bookend of a marketing strategy at that early stage where that's not going to be fit for purpose, something that they can act on quickly. So my role is just to simplify some of the bullshit of marketing for these smaller businesses too. Like it doesn't need to be, well, it isn't rocket science in in many instances. Sometimes a business might be in that field. Um, But that's what I believe in is making it fit for purpose for where they are at. And because I do that through marketing workshops and a done with you type model, it means that it's really relevant for where they're at. And I create, you know, I have a big suite of slides in my different workshops that I can draw on depending on the business needs, the objectives that they're seeking, the list goes on um, that I can um, help get them to feel comfortable with it and it to be, like I said, just something that's really relevant for where they're at. I think that's important, the relevance, because sometimes, yes, we can, um, as a, if we're in a small to medium sort of space, especially on the smaller end, you can sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed with all the, that's probably the outputs of marketing. So there's paid ads, mm-hmm. there's um, different types of, yeah, the shiny channels. marketing, there's, pick up a phone and talk to people. There's all these channels, um, as you call them, the shiny channels. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really just the result of a strategy, not just the strategy, I think. Um, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. we can think that that's a strategy, but in essence, it's just a piece of the puzzle that's um, actioning that. So how yeah. do we get to deciding those strategies, especially de- it will impact depending on what position you are in a, in as a business. Um, and I think it, who does that mm-hmm. is also part of the strategy i think especially in the early stages um who is is also important as, as to what um because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, a, a founder or a domain expert could be really pivotal in those early conversations with customers and really because they understand their needs and wants but maybe not writing the paid ads that go on the the, the internet may not suit their their actual um skill sets so i think there's a little bit of thinking in that to go through um if someone were to sort of think about this at home, um, what's some of the things they may sort of start from? Because I know that most people will go to, all right, let's put an ad up or let's test something. Um, where would you recommend they start? Is it just brand, brand essence, how you sort of position um, and communicate about the product? Is that where you're sort of leading people towards? 
If they're not already yeah. in market, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. So if they haven't even launched their brand, yes, then a brand strategy workshop is where you'd start and you'd get your brand blueprint from that as well, which helps them understand their positioning, what they stand for. With that, you do a bit of mission and values type work, mission, vision, values type work as well. So you that can be quite powerful for, you know, if you've got a few business leaders who are trying to align on that, that's really useful um, as well. Uh, and from there, you can develop what your kind of set of key messages are that can get used on different touch points. So that just becomes an, an anchor that they can use to know how to say the right things okay. to the right people. And particularly once they do launch, they're going to quickly start to resource mm -hmm. with other people coming into the business so they can share that with them mm -hmm. and go, this is who we are, this is how we talk about things. So now you can infuse your personality around that, but this is your, your bedrock to support you in knowing who we are. Then you might find that, you know, they're comfortable with securing their own business initially and it would be through business development just tapping people in the network or, you know, building word of mouth, which is pretty typical. Um, and, and, and it might be beneficial then to have some marketing support by way of them getting some sales enablement materials developed. Um, so, you know, a marketing coach, for example, can just help them know what the core foundation assets are that they need and then work with a copywriter and a designer to mm -hmm. get, and, you know, you know mm -hmm. someone to build the website. Mm -hmm. make it look pretty, that kind of thing, catch people who are coming along. Um, what I tend to find is many of these businesses will go, we need to start getting social content out there so that we That's can. Embedded um, in us you know, from a number of people <laughs> in every business. That's what are we yeah, putting exactly. in social? Yes. Exactly, but organic social is very time-consuming and generally not um, conversion-centric. And so, yes, you need to still do it, but not um, by forgetting any of your other foundation activity because um, often those people that you're working, that you have in your network may not be potential customers as well, so you might not be speaking to the right people sometimes can be the case and like I said it can be very time consuming to pushing out content because mm. people don't generally respond to that and say mm. yeah yeah I want to buy your thing now it's more they're like oh yeah I've seen your posts so it's really a That's trust exactly builder, a reputation yeah, so, builder so um yeah we started the podcast not even for a marketing thing it was just all about oh, how do we give some value back because we had in 2019, mm. it was, it was a, I clearly remember this, it was supposed to a couple of weeks, we had a couple, it was about five founders come to us and they all had blown significant amount of money on product and and I asked the question, Anthony, or we share some stories and one of those ladies, um, Judy Selman's yeah. was episode number one um, and we just thought we'll give it a go and it made a lot of sense and it started just to share the learnings and I feel like... Um, Yes, that can be valuable content, but that's not for sales channel. It's just about how do we add value to people that are interested in the area and maybe can actually, if you can help one person by listening to a podcast like this, I think um, that's a big value add considering the amount of money that does get spent in this space. Yeah, so um, that's how it sort of came about for us. But yeah. then it becomes how do you continue with it? 
and it becomes an engine in itself. You need a team to deliver the podcast, to edit it. Um, so it's a bit behind it. So, yes, yeah, so if you're not consistent with it, there's no point starting. Yeah, no, no, so um, we're close to 100 episodes in yeah. now, which is exciting. Um, but it's just a number, really. Um, it's just, I think, what I get from this is a conversation with some really like-minded people and just testing your thinking and it's a learning experience that's the selfishness of me um, i get to learn and evolve yeah, but also yeah. um yeah can we add some value to some other people mm. exactly so it's something that's yeah. educational mm, informative correct. and value add i think if you go into um yeah. certain areas with lenses on that it's sales then it's yeah you need to understand what your your channel you're working in and the content you're producing what the outcome will be um and and for us the, mm. the surprising thing's been um sort of building good network and meeting some really high caliber people um and then also the just the ability to for people to see good content um and then help them on their journey as well so i think yeah it's a win-win mm. mm. yeah and we never positioned it as a sales tool we were trying to follow the thought leadership yeah. marketing approach, just put out content and yeah. so people can remember us. And that's where the, all right, we've got to do a podcast. And then that was the inflection point to say, all right, this is what the podcast will be on. Cause we spent eight months talking about, we've got to do a podcast and didn't know yeah. what to base it on. Yeah. Like no one wants to hear me talking about code. I mean, that's just the wrong people. Like, like, well, there's no point talking to developers yes. about us writing code. Like yeah. that's not mm. even a thought leadership to them yeah. anyway. They're peers. That's not who we mm. want to be seen by. Yeah. Yeah, you found your angle. Yeah, so yeah, it's great. Marketing's a bit yeah. of fun too, in position how you position yourself, but you never, no one knows what's right either. So it's all about a bit of testing, engaging, um, and yeah. seeing what the market actually perceives as well. Completely. And you, like I said before, you can scale up your marketing mm. when you're ready to scale up. So, you know, great place to start when you're, mm. you're launching is by, having, you know, a, a marketing coach, I guess, per se, that can kind of advise you on those initial steps. And then you might not need a marketing consultant or a strategist for a little while until it comes time to go, okay, we're now kind of tapped out our network. We've, we've sort of got our founding clients. It's time to get more or we want to position ourselves for investment. So we need to, um, you know, be in more places to be seen more. So what are those right places? And the tendency is to mm. organic content, throw some money at some paid ads and hope for the best. It's like probably they are a good yeah. choice, but how, you know, and what's going to be most effective based on the business objectives mm -hmm. that they have. Um, yeah. And, and, and often what hasn't, happened in a while is a review of the customer journey as well so when you're launching it's more aspirational you think it's going to be like this once you've got a few clients on it's like okay review that is it actually what you thought what are the gaps because those gaps then become possibly opportunities or things to just stop doing and then they very clearly shows you where you need to go mm -hmm. to market often and the the um the the type of touch point or the type of connection you need to have at each milestone on a customer journey so that can be a really great way to determine mm. okay we've matured a bit okay it's time for us to grow our sales and marketing product marketing type function where on the customer journey are we doing really well at or not doing really well at and then that will essentially give you a, your next to-do list. 
of which there will be some marketing activity within there or some business development activity or maybe there's some more productive opportunities in there. So it becomes a a whole business view but you're doing it from Mm. the eyes of the customer and that will help you to determine I think it's important what you said there around what sort of support you may need because I feel like um, as we've been on the journey of business ourselves, there's different levels of support that you need, especially in the area of marketing. Um, We've been running a technology business for is it 14 years losing track so a little while um and then we've built a product as well and have that in a a certain category which is in the pharmacy sector but we've learned that we need a third-party support we're not marketers per se so you need different people and it starts Mm. always starts with someone like a consultant they can come in and help and then at what point do you bring an internal marketing um director into a business and there's all these levels of thinking that need to be had but it's just like i said it's really needs to be assessed as the business is growing evolving and then what the necessities are and also what the objectives are too i think that's important to understand as a business yeah, completely. And there's a lot of um, stage gates that you can go through to mm. mature and build your marketing resourcing yes. right from starting with mm. a marketing coach. So someone that kind of first. tells <laughs> you this, yeah. what to try yeah. and what not to do. Mm-hmm. And then a consultant that blends that with a bit of the doing. Then you might find that you get, you know, some more marketing tech type um, freelancers that might do your ads or write your content for you or things like that. And then you might go, hang on, like our sales and marketing function needs more regular support. Probably, you know, what might be good is you kind of get a virtual head of marketing or a virtual marketing manager on demand. So there's a lot of on-demand type models where there's lots of marketers out there that are gigging and have multiple clients at the same time and you might do 10 hours a week or less or more, something like that. And then from there, will you evaluate your spend of what a wage is for a marketing manager of sorts. Obviously, if you're going to hire a marketing coordinator, then they're at a level where they'll respond to direction um, and won't necessarily be able to advise on strategy or play a role, you know, at helping you meet business objectives. They're just not Mm. at that stage in their career. Yeah. And Mm. versus a CMO where you're looking at, Mm -hmm you know, C-suite type salary. So it's it's just step-by-step step building it and you might find every 6, 12, 18 months that that model changes for you a little bit. Um, bringing in your first marketing manager, um, they're usually mid-level in some way, so they've got a bit of up and down stretch and they're not afraid to, you know, get their hands dirty with doing some of the doing and are starting to build their capability Mm. around strategic advisory up to business leaders as well. And then you might find that you can tap freelancers that they oversee for you as well. But remember, Mm. they're a solo marketer. So there's, and and it's, Mm. you don't find unicorns. It's like, you don't, you don't find a farmer that can grow legumes (laughs) and citrus at the same time. It's the same with marketing. There's things that they can and can't do. And so that, that person that you bring in, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be mm-hmm. quite lonely in that role. Um, and so it's building some support around them so mm-hmm. that they can um, be as mm-hmm. helpful and as informative yeah, for brilliant. you as well, a business leader. I think there's quite a bit of well. thinking for people to 
to um, well, things that people can to consider after this conversation in terms of how you might sort of position because there's not only one way to do th- one thing. Um, <laughs> in the end, you've got an outcome, you've got a current position of the business and then how you might assess that and what your next steps yeah. are. So there's plenty to learn from just from our perspective yeah. as well. Um, and so I really appreciate you sharing and coming on the Dev Ready mm-hmm. podcast. If anyone wants to find out more about um, your business, how might they find you? Uh, they can check me out on LinkedIn. I'm Anne Pocock, or they can come to my website, kineticeffect.co. Perfect, Anne. Oh. Happy to have a chat and they can pick my brain if they're curious yeah. and they'll walk away with some tips and tricks at least. Oh, brilliant. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing a bit about your background and story and um, how you might be able to benefit some of our listeners. So thank you for coming on the Devity Podcast and really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Yes, thank really you. enjoyed it. Thank you.